Hang on. G'day. Hello. Oh, hi. Sorry. Hi. Hi. Um, good to hear this week's Bang On is brought to you by Mal people guns. building fences <laughs> next to us today, um, just outside, which is great. Yes, I- I've been chanting at the people outside, build that wall, yeah. build that wall. Oh, wow. No, I haven't. I wonder sorry. where that had gone after Trump <laughs> left. Triggering. Um, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I like that it's out there. You hear a few power tools throughout the whole thing. Um, and I it do expect that our friends... Bruce Springsteen and, and Barack Obama will be <laughs> replicating this sound effect for that kind of earthiness, I think, that, <laughs> that our podcast exudes, the, the very deep earthiness that our podcast exudes that are, they're obviously copying. Yeah, Renegades, the Re- Bruce and Obama oh, podcast yeah. does take a lot of cues from Bang On, as we've realised, yeah. after seeing the photos of where they record. Oh, yeah, they love, they love <laughs> our setup. They love it. Absolutely love it. I'll be listening out for that next week. If you do hear any weird sounds in the background, that's because someone is literally building a fence yeah. right outside my door. Now, look, there's been a lot more bad news this week and a lot more difficult things to grapple with that we will get to here on the podcast, but we thought we might start with something that was a celebration last night. Yeah. Oh, and what a lovely celebration it was. Epic. The memorial service, it was a state funeral service for... Michael Gadinsky, who died a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago now. Start of March, yeah. Only 68 years old, which I think is too young these days. Mm. Um, he had a lot more left to do, as far as we could tell from last night's memorial service. Well, that's uh, what it felt like, didn't it? Yeah. Like, I think that anybody who's known anything about what he's been doing in the last year, while live music has just been completely at a standstill, he's been working overtime, mm. producing so much. And when you saw that last night, as well as you know, this decades long, almost 50 years since he started Mushroom Mm. Records, he never stopped. Yeah. There was no like, oh, he had a great peak or he kicked off with fire and then it kind of petered out. The the relevance of what he was doing and the tenacity in which he was doing it was on display and it never relented. Mm. He was one of the most energetic, passionate people in the Australian music scene. Put most of us to shame during the pandemic when we're in lockdown and, I mean, what did I do? I I did bake sourdough and... Painted your bathroom? Painted my bathroom and, I, you know, like I did stuff but I didn't really <laughs> achieve anything. <laughs> and, yeah, the the enormity of the, the projects that he took up last year just with absolute energy and enthusiasm was amazing and, um, yeah, that will be missed because the rest of us took it as an opportunity to go, oh, well, can't do much. Yeah. And he was the opposite and there are a few people like that who continue that level throughout their lives and he has managed to. So that was pretty impressive. The performances as well were really beautiful. I, yeah. lo- I always love hearing Barnsley. Like any time he sings with any kind of passion, which mm. is just any time he sings. Yeah. Oh, man, he makes me cry. When he was singing When the War Is oh Over God, what a great song. and all of his daughters are on the BVs in harmonising mm. and knowing that Mahalia, his daughter, is Gadinsky's goddaughter. Yeah. Just like – and I could see at that point as well because in the room it was like 7,000-odd people there and obviously a lot of music community there. Everywhere I looked there were people that I had worked with and are friends with mm. for the last 25 years yeah. in every direction but when it was when Barnsley was singing that I cast my eye to the front row and then I realised I could see Jane, his wife, um, crying in the front row and then I realised that she was sitting right next to Sue and the whole family, Michael's wife um, and Ed Sheeran and his family and they were all there just like the, I, when I think about those kind of events when they are literally so public, that's the whole mm. point of them and the strength that it must take while you're mourning the loss of someone who means so much to everybody else, but who you have mm. such a 
a different story with who's a giant who was taken so so suddenly I don't know it just kind of destroyed me yeah it was beautiful as well and Vicar and Linda oh Kylie just the heart of it all the story the story singing locomotion I mean she would never do that for anyone and I just thought because you know she's always she's always almost shunned the beginning of her career in a way. I think she's been able to embrace it, but because she was so heavily criticised, yeah, back in those days, it, it was a real moment I think for her saying thank you by doing that song because that's not probably a song you'd never ever ever hear her sing live, the locomotion. And I was wondering what song she would play play because in perform because I, I just assumed she would perform. She was going to be there, but I was thinking about all the lyrics and be like, oh, that's not quite right. And even Locomotion, it's kind of like this sort of fun, bubbly pop song, but there's one line in it which, again, in the context of watching it in that room, you know, it even makes you happy when you're feeling Mm. blue. And I was just like, oh. And that was a moment of levity. Like I think that there was a few moments like that where there was – it was a celebration, like you say. There was a lot of sadness. But the the moments that I loved were, you know, those great moments where we could all just kind of – let out a laugh and mm. just take a bit of, a, you know, an exhale. Josh Homme's amazing oh, story. I love that story. <laughs> about Gadinsky basically going, double booking himself with two dinners at the casino at a Japanese restaurant in like banquet rooms and then going back and forth with Josh to try and like be a part of both of these dinners and then at one point walking from one room to the other and accidentally going into a third room and saying... Who the hell are you, blokes? And then just joining them and having a third dinner. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? What he was said, the great um, line? The great line was uh, Michael Gudinski was like a credit card, accepted everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fantastic. And that's how I want to go out too. I think oh, we should yeah. all take, you know, some inspiration from that. There's, Absolutely. There's joy to be found everywhere and it's been it's been a dark time and I think his what shone last night was the enthusiasm and the passion and all of those things that we, we all still have in us even though we're sort of worn down and a little bit tired and exhausted. Time to find that again, I reckon. Yeah, and the other thing that shone through um, was his tenacity. Like he he never stepped back. He never took no for an answer. He always kept his foot on the pedal. And I've been thinking about that a lot, what it means to never relent, to always keep your eye on the prize, particularly in the context of this continuing conversation about the treatment of women Mm. in Parliament in society, in culture, we've been talking about this every week for good reason. For years. For years. <laughs> yes, and exactly. And we're not the first. This has been going on. This has been going on. <laughs> this is not a new before hot we were topic. born. Yeah, feminism's been around for hot a while. Hot takes. Feminism. Look Ooh. it up. Women. But, women. Goodness me. Half the population. You know how we were talking last week about how, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, just keeping your foot on the pedal. It feels like we are. Yeah. And it feels like there. Can I just say it's okay to drop the foot off occasionally too if you need. Not with this, Miff. <laughs> not now. No, not with this, not now. But, you know, like don't feel like we're advocating for everybody just go hard or go home. <laughs> it's, it's, I think something about the pandemic's taught me it's not always you can't give everything all the time. I think there are special people who can give everything all the time. Very true. But it is great to see this uprising and a response happening mm. from, I don't know, the tone seemed to shift from the government and particularly from the Prime Minister this week. Oh, finally. Although when he did give a speech uh, acknowledging the way that women have been treated, yeah. seeming to understand where those frustrations were coming from, and then getting very defensive with a Sky News journalist and basically threateningly suggesting that 
he, sh- he should look in his own backyard. Yeah, look after his own house and what's going yeah, on there. It just sort discussing, of all of it, Discussing it? publicly a, a possible or an alleged sexual assault that may or may not have happened in a bathroom with a Sky News uh, reporter or somebody of the, the Sky News team. And... A, weaponising somebody else's trauma for your own ends is exactly the opposite of what we've been talking about this whole time mm. with women. Why do, why do women not come forward? Because they don't feel comfortable that their stories are told without them, that they are not protected and supported. And the, and the PM just went straight and did it, not even thinking. So he kind of, his apology led to him having to do another apology but this, of course, was not necessarily to women. It was, in fact, to News Corp, yeah. which is the organisation that runs Sky News. And that came out immediately. And it's interesting. We've been talking about this for years, months. In the last couple of months, what's happening at Parliament House, it took four hours or five hours or something for, for him to respond to News Corp. It's taken him weeks to respond in regards to all of these issues around 51% of the population. It's it's pretty striking, isn't it? It's not a fringe issue. And that, again, points out that they don't see it as a as an important issue. I'm not just talking about Which always liberal, blows my mind. It's like we're, we're the across, dominant population. Yeah. How is it that you don't see this well, as an issue? Well, they don't see us because they've never had to. Yeah. Because our role in previous generations was to care for them and make them look good because we were married to them and we weren't allowed to work and we weren't allowed to hold public positions. And that's only changed in the last, you know, century. And um, a lot of men, particularly men in positions of power, have not learnt not to centre themselves in every conversation Mm. and to think of themselves as the most important person in the room. Patricia Carvellis wrote a really great piece, which I will put in the show notes, talking about all of this, talking about this pivotal week, but also what are the solutions, what is the attitude, why are there these responses? Mm. And she did point out regarding that alleged News Corp complaint, why was he briefed on that but not on an alleged rape in Parliament House? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's there's a lot of questions, the way the the way that things have been handled, the kind of one step forward, three steps back. Mm. Keep the foot on the pedal. Yeah, you're right on that. Keep the foot on that pedal. Um, Catherine Murphy wrote a great one in The Guardian as well. We should link that too. A reported rape of a staffer was not enough for Morrison to get it. Now women are tired of waiting. And, and this is an extraordinary article and that's correct. We marched and he still didn't get it. Mm. Um only starting to get it now and sadly, sorry blokes, but you need to go through this process where you do feel uncomfortable, where you, it's, it's similar when you talk about colonialism and, and the patriarchy and racism. You've got to sit with it and be uncomfortable and be made to feel uncomfortable before you can move forward and actually start to understand what the issues are and they're not used to doing that up there in Parliament House, I don't think. Or maybe in the arts scene. Exactly. Well, this is the other thing. God, it's been a big week. It's been a huge week. Um, The Dark Mofo Festival, which happens in Tassie every year, which is always known for its controversial art, uh, it it never fails to give us some sort of controversy. I think this week they had a reckoning with their own internal structures or the benefits of colonialism 
uh, when it was announced a couple of days ago that there would be an artwork created by Spanish artist Santiago Sierra. Um, it was titled Union Flag and the intention behind this work was this was the major work of the festival. They've been working on this for two years mm. um, and uh, it was all about taking uh, well participants' blood uh, of Indigenous people, not just uh, from Tasmania but from all across the world, would be taken by medical professionals into which a Union Jack flag would be immersed and that is to be some sort of discussion on colonialism and the blood that has been spilled. But I think they haven't read the room with this artwork at all and it's been pointed out by numerous people that the consultation with the local Indigenous communities, uh, they might have asked one person but they didn't ask ten mm. and one person is not enough when you think about the blood that's been spilled, in particular in Tasmania. Like we're not just talking um, a place where some of the Indigenous population were wiped out. The entire Indigenous population mm. were wiped out. They don't need to spill their blood for another white man who wants to make a statement about racism, about colonialism. And, and that, to me, just shows that, you know, you're not thinking about it. You're not, it's not in the back of the mind. It's not, and that's where it needs to be. It's the yeah. same with feminism with these blokes. It needs to be something you think about. And the only way that that can change is if... And like we were talking about last week, there is a structural change. There are people who work within the organisations and I feel sorry for them. They've got to pull people up all the time, you know, and they do all this extra emotional labour, uh, Indigenous people in workplaces. It's awful that they're in this position but that it needs to be more equal within the structures of the organisation in order for that organisation to have some sort of understanding that this is not right for right now. Lee Carmichael, who's the Artistic Director of Dark Mofo, did respond. He also sits on the Australia Council for the Arts. Um, his first response was, was a stubborn shutdown. It was a terrible response. It was called out as a terrible response, rightly, and then a day later he flipped. And then shortly after that as well, David Walsh, who is the guy that owns and runs Mona, um, wrote a very detailed response which acknowledged his own ignorance and oversight and how he had benefited from the privilege of colonialism and apologised in a very David Walsh way, um, which I thought was a really good piece, did lack a what's next element of it. But there was a great post on Instagram by Rachel Sara who um, I'll put in the show notes and she wrote in response to these apologies, I simply reject the fact that Lee Carmichael didn't see the deeper consequences of this proposition and I fear for any First Nations art projects who may be overseen by him and his position on the Oz Council Arts Board. There are far too many people asking for forgiveness in the media and no structural changes to prevent these issues. Lastly, I want to remind everyone that this is not an art issue. This is institutionalised racism and it is a human rights issue. And that really struck me. There was a point of, and there is a point of always like, I'm sorry, we didn't realise, we're learning. but Which is good, learn away. But aren't we beyond that now? But I feel and then like, what's next? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that people sometimes in a very sassy way are like, I don't ask for permission, I ask for forgiveness. Mm. But in certain circles, yeah, you, you can't. You can't do this now. Well, You've got to. Cons- like, it just doesn't make sense. It's yeah. a, a t- the most tone deaf 
concept mm. in 2021. Yeah. In the last for a long time, but in yeah. 2021 of all of all times right now to do it like I know. why? I know. And it look they have apologized. But still not much discussion about what they're going to do to fix it in the future. And I think that's where we are with conversations around feminism and also even mental health. You know, mental health, it's so many times it's like, oh, you know, we're making the con- we're broadening the conversation or making it easier. For- it's like, no, we're beyond words now. It's mm-hmm. time to actually put things in place that makes it easier for people to access mental health, that makes it, you know, and same with colonialism and how its ongoing effects to this day affect our First Nations peoples, like... It's time. Like I'm done with this bullshit that we – I'm so – I'm sorry. I didn't know. It's like we're beyond that now. Yeah. What are you doing about it? Not just in the visual art world, which is equally as guilty as far as I can tell, for making these kind of broad statements. And, again, it's, you know, it's another white guy telling us about what is racism. No. No. Fucking do something about it. Don't stop telling us. We know, you know, and – and the First Nations people of Australia know and they've known since 1788. You know, it's time. Fashion. Oh, great. Da, 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 da. Oh, I'm exhausted. Can we talk about some fashion, please? Because um, I need a break. It's a big day for fashion. Did fashion. you know on this day 20 years ago, Björk wore her famous swan dress on the red carpet of the Oscars. Can you believe that was 20 years ago? I can't. I feel so old. But an amazing dress and one that sticks in our mind and will do so forever, which was her intention because she said at the time she wanted to be remembered because she wouldn't get another shot at this. Yeah, she's like, this is going to be the only time I'm on the red carpet. But I don't think she thought she'd be raked over the coals in the way that she was. At the time, it was horrible. People were horrible about it. She was the punchline to everything. And I look at that dress now and compared to some of the other 2000s atrocities, the swan dress was fantastic. And also, who cares? (laughs) I think that's where we're at now with the fashion. Like, it's good to look nice, but like... Why was she? Why was it considered such an affront that she wear a, a swan dress at the time? People were very upset about very it. Straight. Very straight. Very. Can upset. you remember also? Let's not just remember the swan dress, but also the not one, not two, but six ostrich eggs that she brought, oh, yes. and she tried laying them on the red carpet. That's Apparently, funny. security were just like following her around, trying to pick them up and return <laughs> them to her. But there were some amazing photos. I think I remember seeing video where she just kind of Dropped. swept the skirt to the side and went poop. And I just love that she does this, that she basically knows how to get attention. She's one of the greatest artists of our time, sonically, visually, um, creatively, the way she thinks about music and science. She's always pushed the boundaries and she just found this moment to not only do that but to be playful about what is quite a stuffy environment. Like the Oscars are pretty much the biggest awards ceremony in the creative world and she just decided to take the piss and I bloody love that. (laughs) And lay some eggs on their red carpet. (laughs) I love it. Well, look, if you look at that dress in comparison to other dresses from a similar time period, she did well because the 2000s was not a great time for fashion and – a little bit of research tells me that it's all coming back. Yes, you gave me a BuzzFeed article, which I trust because it's BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. 2000s fashion is making a comeback. It must be stopped is the title of this. Mm. And what follows is a 
an incredible and scary list of 2000s <laughs> fashions that I do not want to see return, starting uh, with, and for women of a certain age, I know you're with me, extremely low-rise jeans. Oh, mate. I've Look, if you have a spare tyre, this is just one way to <laughs> emphasise that spare tyre tenfold. It only look. looks good on 1% of the population, and if it, that. To be honest, in these photos, it doesn't look good on anyone. <laughs> It really accentuates possibly. You can almost you know. see pube. I know. It's and it's very low. It's so low and the G string at the top at the back, <laughs> the, the G banger. Oh, that's always a good look. Um, what else was in there? Wide legged jeans. Wide legged jeans. I'm I'm here for that because that's comfort. Remember dirty denim? That didn't it made it <laughs> in the pictures, but not as a trend. But I thought about that today. That's disgusting. That those denim I had a skirt. It looked awful. It looked like it really was dirty. And now I sound like my mother. That's dirty. <laughs> um, capri pants. I wore plenty of those. And lots of different kinds of capri. There's denim capris, satin, satin capris. capris. There's a lot of satin in the yeah, noughties. Yeah. Also and maxi skirts, denim maxi skirts. Oh, that was a When good you look. think about a maxi skirt, you think, or a dress, you think something flowing. Denim mm. doesn't flow. Denim it almost looks like a big hood over your legs. It's like a tent. It has a half tent. The visual, um, the visual ability to make you look like you're a, a Japanese kabuki artist in that your feet don't move. You're just floating because <laughs> you can't see the legs moving underneath. I love that. One thing I do want to see return: super long tops or dresses. Dresses over jeans. Over jeans. I love that That's look. A shit look. I love it. Was it. Terrible. I wore it recently. I, I wear. I wore it all the time back then. It was terrible on me. I. I I don't think we can. We're in autumn. We've got to dress seasonally. You've got to be ready for any kind of weather. This is really giving me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, it's too close. It's too close. <laughs> it's not like the nineties where we can laugh about it. This is too close. Um, the tissues, like clothes that are basically made out of tissues. Just I to, believe they're called handkerchief tops. Handkerchief aren't they? tops. That's it. That's right. <laughs> and the other one, which I wasn't aware of, but is definitely a trend from that time, the shipwreck cut. Um, where, where materials, it keeps getting repeated. It's the way the skirts are cut sort of like as if you've just come, you've been on a shipwreck <laughs> and you've survived and everything's worn away a little bit and there's there's a few cuts that just kind of, it's called the shipwreck cut. I wasn't across it as a term, but fashion, thank you. Well, it needs to come back, obviously. Yeah. The shipwreck cut for 2021, yeah. I am absolutely here for it. Thank you, fashion, for lifting us this thank week. Thank you. You're always here for us. You're always here. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, I've forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> Every week. I know. I know. Every week. It's, it's too It's The too podcast much. is called Bang On. It At the end of it, I ask what you're banging on, on about. Right. <laughs> um, I've been reading the news a lot this week and I shouldn't. I feel like I need to stop. I feel like I need to get a bit more joy back in my life. Mm. Um, Ignorance sometimes is bliss. And speaking of not joyful, so I decided to watch Pharaoh versus Alan. Oh, God. I know. It just feels like the wrong time to be watching this and I'm not sure I can make it past the first. But it's – look, it's – yeah. What is it for anybody who's not aware? It's Mia Farrow and Woody Allen. They were a pair from the 70s. She was very much considered a muse, although I freaking hate that term, um, for many of his films. And they adopted children together and one of those children has spoken about her abuse from Woody Allen, alleged abuse from Woody Allen uh, for years and years and years and this is a documentary about that. It's so f- awful to watch and yet I think it's just really interesting to get the perspectives of everyone and see how it all played out and it gives you a broader understand broader understanding of I guess you know how how little everyone understood about child sexual abuse 
back in those days mm. and what was acceptable behaviour from a parental figure and what wasn't and when it was called out. It wasn't even necessarily called out. It was just considered or deemed weird or a little bit much. And I think that was the most shocking thing I gained from watching this. So I'm not sure if I'll continue because this week's been a lot and this feels like a lot. But it, it seems at this stage Ree's pretty well put together and, 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 you know, you get to hear perspectives from people who have been voiceless, which is Dylan Farrow. She essentially was shut down by the press and the media because of Woody Allen's power over mm. the last however many years, decades. Um, she has been derided, she has been criticised um, and this is her chance to speak and it's just really nice to hear her speak, not that it's a nice subject. What are you banging on? Should about? I watch it? No. I think after this week, like I have been watching it and then after this week I was like... You saved me. Yeah, after this week I'm like, oh, I just can't take anymore. But So sometimes but bang imagine, ons are bang off. Just switch it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Like it is really good. We need to protect you. It is really good but it's a lot in this week. Um, but imagine if you were going through it. Imagine like thinking about all the things we've been talking about. If you yeah. were, you know, I mean I, I, one out of five has been a victim or more a victim of, of sexual abuse, you know. Like every this is what people who have not been in these situations don't understand. All of this stuff is re-traumatising. I think for a lot of people who've sailed through life with privilege, they will not get it until they have to get it because mm. they don't want to get it mm. and they will lose their privilege if they start to get it and that's the biggest problem. Hey, what are you banging on about? Gosh, I've got a lot to say, don't I? I'm here for it. Um, I am banging on about taking the day off on my birthday. Yay! Something fun! <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Now, I know this is in the Paddle Happy Steamers collection. To you. Bang no, on. I love that. The Paddle Steamers is still my favourite bang on. I, I stand by it and fuck me, if I could get on a Paddle Steamer right now and go down a river, glide down a river gently, I would Islands love that. in the stream. Just soft. Yep. Just gentle. <laughs> The gentle churn of the wheel. Yeah, and the flat water of the river, gorgeous. Tell yeah. me about your birthday. Well, I had a bit of a paddle steamer of a birthday yeah. um, because I, weirdly, I've had this attitude previously where whenever I saw other people taking their birthdays off, I was really cynical about it. It's like, it's just your birthday. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. I've I think it, I've had it too and I've changed as well. Yeah, it's weird. I was just like, I just thought, it's just your birthday, calm down. You're just, you know, an insignificant human. I didn't really think all those things, but you know what I mean? I was just like, I was like, why wouldn't you just work on your birthday? And I got a call from my bestie who his birthday's one day before mine and he was like, oh, I booked tickets to the gallery on Monday. Are we going? I'm like, well, I'm at work. He's like, what? I just assumed you'd be taking your day off. Mm. So I thought, maybe I will. And I'm so glad I did because I had a shit birthday last year. It was a week after we went into lockdown and it wasn't, you know, all the lockdowns were terrible. But this one at the very start when coronavirus was just, spreading like wildfire all over the world and we had no idea what it was and what caused it and how it spread and that anxiety was at fever pitch. I had the most anxious, horrible birthday and it really, it was really upsetting to me because I just returned home to my hometown after 14 years away in another city and I just had a really shit time. So I thought I want to make new memories and I had the greatest day. There is something significant about spending the day not working and thinking about the other things in your life as you pass another year. Yeah. I think that as I get older and I realise, and particularly very much so the last year, realising that we need to take advantage and take those moments that we have, take those opportunities, go and see a band, see your friends, mm. catch up with your family, all of those things that 
once we realised we couldn't do them at various points in the last year, it was an awful feeling. Mm. So while we can, do it. Mm. While we're alive, do it. And I think very much as I get older and, you know, events happening where people that we know pass away, all of these things just fed into, yeah, living in the moment and enjoying those moments. So I had a bloody great day. Fantastic. So I'm banging on about taking your day off work for your birthday. Or as Bob Hawke would say, just take a day off when someone wins something. <laughs> Remember that? Australia too. Anyone who takes a day off work, is, who sacks you or something, any boss who doesn't, he's a bum. Um, um, oh, well, happy birthday. Thank and you. And, yeah, we'll see you ne- ne- next year. Next week. <laughs> next week. Hey, what else can go wrong this week, do you think? We've had a parliamentary Don't staff. forecast the shit news for have, the week, Have please. wanked on a desk. <laughs> What else can happen this week? Like I, every week, I think, can it get worse? Can it get worse? And and oh, I don't know if it can, but it will. I guarantee you, more, more to come. I'll see you here at the same time next week for more of that. Then <laughs> can't wait. What a week. Ugh. Anyway. Anyway. We're tired. <laughs> We're tired. We're tired of jizz everywhere. <laughs> There's some jizz over P- here P- and <laughs> some jizz over there. There's some jizz on your ear. There's some jizz in your hair. There's a lot of little jizzes in the air everywhere. It's a jizzy kind of parliament house. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a little bit too close to play school for me. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>